I imagine you might have heard about Crocodile, which is uh, a drug largely popular in Russia that is made from ground codeine pills and a mixture of household chemicals. Obviously, I'm not going to list them because I don't want you to go and make it because it's horrible. Um, but because of the impurities in the process of them making it, there um, are some horrific side effects, which um, it can create sores on the skin that are green and scaly, hence the name crocodile, as it's crocodile, right? Um, <laughs> and if left untreated, it can lead to amputation of the limb that these forms on. Um, and it's also worth mentioning as well that it's not just like the arm that they're injecting in, it's like any part of the body. So it could be on their face, it could be on their feet. Um, so you're going to be Spider-Man's lizard, but in reverse. <laughs> I don't get that reference. So in, in Amazing Spider-Man and in the comics, but I'm not a big Marvel fan, Kirk Connors is a, a biologist who studies the ability for lizards to regrow their tails to try and cure the fact that he's an amputee. And so he starts injecting himself, regrows the arm, and then becomes a giant mutant lizard. So it's the process in reverse. <laughs> you turn yourself into a lizard, and then your arms fall off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That is a good analogy, actually. This is horrifying. Mm -hmm. But yeah, um, there are a bunch of scare stories about this drug about 10 years ago that suggested it would come to America, but it didn't really catch on. I can't see why. I mean, it just seems like such a wild and fun time. But um, yes, there is something equivalent to this now that has taken hold in some cities in America. Um, this has been going on for a couple of months now, but there have been some movements to try and combat it, so I thought I'd mention it. So it's called xylazine, I think, that's how it's pronounced, and it's often used in combination with ketamine by veterinarians for animals. Um, wouldn't advise using that on people unless uh, you want to go to a rave or something, in which case maybe it'll fit. No, I'm joking. Yeah, hear that, the city of Bristol. <laughs> um, but it's more commonly known as Trank by its users because ah, it's... I have heard of this. Mm -hmm. Obviously short for tranquilizer, I imagine, as it knocks out animals. So it's often mixed with heroin, um, largely fentanyl, because of course fentanyl, very, very small dosage, and uh, also less commonly with cocaine. I mean, I don't know why you would mix those, but it's cut to basically extend the high because it seems to have an effect of, particularly with fentanyl, um, making it go on for longer and you're essentially allowed to, um, allowed, um, it allows you to um, spend less money on the fentanyl because you get the effects for longer and therefore you can buy more of it as well and it also makes you more addicted to it. So it's like super fentanyl, that's what I've kind of colloquially dubbed it. This is playing Russian roulette with all chambers loaded and just hoping that when you pull the trigger the gun just doesn't go off. <laughs> it's, it is quite possibly a combination of this xylazine and fentanyl. It's probably one of the worst drugs I've ever ever heard of. Sounds really deadly. Mm -hmm. And I, I did a lot of um, studying while at university on these the effects of various drugs. Not extracurricular, <laughs> I'll have you know. Um, Actual formal academic study. <laughs> but um, yes, I know that stuff goes on at university. Um, but yes, it seems to have started in the Kensington area of Philadelphia. And here we have on screen from the, the Daily Loud um, a video of the, the zombies in the street. And um, th this isn't quite as zombified, but you see the, the massive camps that have become typical of America. Um, this does look like the pub scene at Shaun of the Dead. <laughs> it does actually, yeah. But 
basically you'll see people stood up, um, just draped over like they're some sort of rag doll mm. quite often, or they'll be on the ground completely passed out. I mean, regular opiates like um, heroin and fentanyl do do this anyway, so it's difficult to know whether it's this this trank or not, but there's something to indicate that it's pretty unavoidable now, actually. So it seems like this is a point of origin, Kensington in, in Philadelphia, which is unusual. We don't know, um, we as in the world at large, don't really know where the supply is coming from yet. It could be from any number of places. It could be manufactured domestically. It could be- I would suspect abor the border. Across the border. And um, we're going to be talking about the border. Um, a bit later, but it's also appeared in many other cities. Um, there's evidence that it's in LA now and also San Francisco, which I mean, if you were to put money on two cities, I think you could uh, get uh, pretty good odds on those coming out at the top, wouldn't they? And um, yes, I think there are similar scenes in those cities as well, but it's difficult for me to tell because I've not been to any of those cities. I don't know what the situation is like on the ground. I don't know how typical these these scenes are of major cities in America. And I, I imagine mean, American commenters will say they're very common. I see this all the time. There so, are a lot of videos of homeless encampments around Skid Row or the Tenderloin in LA and San Francisco. Mm. And it just seems that they've grown and, and entrenched themselves even more. And it's gotten way worse because they've become sanctuary states for drug use because they're, they're clean needles program. So rather than helping people take drugs with less transmissible communicable diseases, in making something de facto legal, you've increased the incentives to use it. And so you've just become gigantic homeless drug addict encampments. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing really like this in Britain. So the people who are saying that it's an inevitability, I mean, I, I can't say I've seen anything like it. I mean, the only thing I can uh, think of sorry. is, sorry, in, it, there was a BBC documentary quite a while ago about Wolverhampton where there were lots of homeless men moving up there to use legal highs when, when they were there and they mm -hmm. were incredibly toxic. Yeah, Theresa May banned legal highs, didn't she? I believe so, but mm -hmm. there's nothing. I, I remember of, it well. There's nothing of the American scale here, quite no, yet. No. Um, I've not seen anyone uh, like kind of leaning over completely out of it. We normally have quite ambulatory crackheads, don't we? <laughs> yeah, they scuttle like the vampires in I Am Legend. Yeah, normally they're the ones that are the, moving the most out yeah. of anyone in the street. Like you can tell them by their their sort of twitchy, quick ways, and the fact that he's on the ceiling. <laughs> yeah, that that true. Yeah, and quite often our our junkies aren't stationary, they're quite industrious in that they'll be stripping copper wire out of abandoned buildings and not so abandoned ones as well. Like Lou Bloom in the opening of Nightcrawler. Yeah. <laughs> exactly like that, yeah. So to, to say that this is some sort of inevitable thing that is just going to happen and it's, oh, it's just what happens in major cities. Well, no, because, you know, Britain's not that different, is it? And um, we do have drug problems, quite serious ones in some places. I mean, but you don't see it in Bath. No, you don't, do you? Um, that's because it's too expensive to even afford to, to eat there, let alone have a drug habit. I, I can attest to that. I live there. Um, but it, it seems uniquely centred in the United States, or at least from what I've seen, it's probably in Canada as well, because I think Canada gets similar problems to the United States in this respect. Although I, I don't know the details, I'm going to have to hear sort of anecdotes from the audience in the comments, which I will be looking at, by the way. But um, I do find this interesting because I think in many ways we are becoming 
a civilization of drug addicts, which, um, believe it or not, is one of my episodes of Contemplations. And this is 102, which, uh, coincidentally, me and you did, didn't yes, we? Yes, yeah. Um, and this isn't talking about illegal drugs. This is talking about legal ones and how even our dependence on ones that are legally approved and supposedly safer for you than the illegal ones, certainly safer than uh, this uh, new cocktail of chaos, basically. We, we talked about things like uh, the pill being dangerous, mm. and we talked about um, things like antidepressants and, and the opiates. Yeah, the overprescription of Oxycontin as the pipeline to then using fentanyl is a big thing in America. Well, yes. A lot of people who abuse op opiates recreationally had been prescribed them before. Yeah. You, you get a taste for it, pretty much. And of course, opiates as well, being particularly addictive, as in uh, the sort of neurological mechanisms of addiction seem to be stronger for that specific form of, uh, of neurochemical than some others, which is obviously terrible because that also means they're harder to quit as well, which I mean, uh, it, it makes me very sympathetic to the, the arguments that yes, this is a, a health problem rather than a criminal issue because with the best will in the world, trying to come off of an opiate is incredibly difficult, and although I haven't, I, I don't, I don't think I've ever taken opiates other than uh, I think I was given them when I was a young child when I really hurt myself at hospital. But I don't really know what it's like. Um, I've certainly not had the withdrawal. But my understanding of addiction is that it's so bad; it's akin to torture. It's one of the worst things in the world. Um, I've heard people say that they've been in rehab for drugs and they've been hitting their head against a wall to try and knock themselves unconscious to end the, the, the pain for just a brief period of time. You don't do that if it's something that, you know, is just mind over matter. There's a real physiological thing going on there and withdrawal can kill people. I mean, you, you can even be killed from alcohol withdrawal. So the notion of things like heroin and fentanyl, well, the Lord only knows what that's going to do to your body, and it is not good. And so I think that many of these people have hit rock bottom, and I think you need you need to have some sort of rehabilitatory approach because I don't think they're going to be receptive to punishment. Like increasing prison sentences for it, harsher punishments. Well, if you're already addicted to horrific opiates and, and slowly getting scaly skin and looking like a crocodile, I don't think the threat of a prison sentence is as bad as your life is at the minute. It would actually be a marked improvement for them. So I'm not sure whether that will be the right way, but we'll talk about that a little bit more later because um, the White House has actually uh, been surprisingly good about this. They've identified the problem and designated it as an emerging threat. Um, I mean, they haven't actually announced what they're going to do about it yet, but they've at least acknowledged it relatively quickly for the government. And I, I'm not used to giving points to the White House. So. Well, they did recently say that to combat the crack epidemic will give them cre clean, free crack pipes. So I'm not optimistic about their policy solutions. Yeah, they'll probably end up enabling it, I imagine. Um, but at the same time, anything's better than the situation at the minute. As I it, don't know about that. If you're giving not making out more, it worse. yeah, exactly. If you're giving out more clean needles or clean crack pipes, and it's going to well, lead to more drug addicts. Th there's also the argument that a lot of the side effects, like um, you can pass on AIDS by sharing needles, um, all, all sorts of things, like negative effects of it that are much more difficult to treat, even than 
strong drug addiction. Yeah, but the rates the rates of age transmission is going to go up by the virtue of more interactions. Mm -hmm. And also, it's going to be less likely they're going to use the clean needles even if given them if they're in a drug-addled state because they're not thinking mm -hmm. about their long-term health. Uh, and this is the same thing with the pill that we actually discussed a little bit in the contemplations, is that the pill was originally designed to reduce the amount of unplanned pregnancies. And actually, because it dismantled the barriers to having casual sex, unplanned pregnancies went up, which is part of the argument for legal mm -hmm. abortion. And so what's going to happen is, despite trying to reduce the amount of HIV and hep C transmission, they're actually going to go up because you're going to increase the amount of drug mm -hmm. addicts overall. I think that principle is certainly more true of the, the contraception one than perhaps here. I think there are perhaps more e extraneous variables affecting what could happen. And I think also... Um, even sort of junkies are aware of the risks they run by sharing needles. And I think that um, there there is some sort of existing needle etiquette to a ex certain extent. I know that sounds like a strange phrase considering what, who we're talking about here, but um, I think some greater understanding might help prevent it as well. So my, my approach would be, and I know we're going to discuss this towards the end, the harshest possible prison sentences for the dealers and for those who are dependent on it in long-term rehabilitation programs which do not facilitate their continued use but try to wean them off of it in a safe way. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to read some facts about it from this uh, Sky News article. It says, one person dies of a drug overdose every five minutes in America. More than 70,000 people a year are already being killed by the opioid fentanyl. And that's only going to go up here, isn't it? By probably a significant margin as well. So it says, The use of Trank in Philadelphia has risen in recent years. The city's public health department recently found xylazine in every sample of drug tested. While the sample of 39 was small, health experts are alarmed at the trend and the wounds they are seeing. But if it was a sample of 39, that's, that's still enough to make some judgment, I think. Mm. It's not a massive sample, obviously, but then... How how does a government institution get loads of samples of fentanyl at the same time? It's not an easy thing to do. But the fact it was present in every single one is very, very concerning, really. So I'm skipping ahead a bit here, and it says, Dr. Andrew Best, um, and this is direct, a direct quote from him, Right now, there's no state or federal funding available to mitigate some of the challenges and harms associated with xylazine. A lot of individuals have never seen these wounds before. They don't heal as fast as normal wounds. Sometimes they can last for months, even years, and in severe cases require amputations. So he's saying that the health sector isn't really fit. There's a picture of it on screen. It's like horrific, horrible scabs. Yeah, it's like a bubonic plague scar. It does look a bit like that, yes. Um, but from what I've um, been able to decipher from my research, most doctors don't know how to treat these these xylazine scars, these right. sores, whatever you want to call them, because they don't heal conventionally. They need to devise a new method of actually treating the symptoms of, of them taking this substance, and it doesn't seem like they've got a sort of cohesive um, strategy yet. And that would certainly go a long way to mitigate some of the damages of it. But I, um, I was watching some clips while I was doing research again, and um, there was a guy saying that um, I, I put basically a plaster on on these sores, and a week later they would only come back worse. Like he'd he'd take it off, and it would look worse than when he put it on. So there there wasn't really much 
the individuals themselves can do either. Well, other than you know, try and withdraw. But then at the same time, um, the, the the rehabs they don't know how to deal with all of the scarring. And um, as this lady here will point out um, from experience, um, it's it's not an easy thing. So let's hear what she has to say. If you try to get a rehab and you medically clear for the wounds, and there's no withdrawal protocol for the xylazine right now, so. I would have to go spend at least a month in the hospital to even get medically cleared to go to rehab. Because I try. I try to go to rehab with the wounds that I have on my arms. They're not they're not taking any more wounds. That's why there's so many people out here right now. Right. Can we see that wound? By the way, she's gonna take her arm out, so if you don't want to see something disgusting. Look away now and I'll let you know when it's okay to I'll look. Show you Thanks, Josh. Because it's wrapped. Oh my. That just gives you an idea. Oh my, dang, yeah. Yeah. Dang, yeah. Okay, it's okay to look again now. I'm disgusting. Dang, yeah. She, she yeah, refers to herself as I'm disgusting. When's I mean, the last time you got bottom, treated? Is it not? I get, there's wound care and stuff everywhere, so it's not like I don't, like, they'll wrap it for me, they'll, they give me meds, like, it doesn't matter what I do. Wherever I shoot, if, if I miss or if I don't miss, it's the xylazine still tries to come out of my skin somewhere. That's why my face is all broken out right now and everything. Okay, it's I think we can end I'm it there. Um, sorry about the audio there, it's not great. It, it sounded a lot better when I listened to it with headphones. But um, if you couldn't make out what she was saying, because the audio was a bit dodgy there for some reason, um, she was saying that, yes, I tried to go into rehab a few times, but they wouldn't allow me to go into the rehab because of the, the sores from the xylazine. And they said, you need to go to hospital for at least a month. But again, then you're in hospital going through, say, fentanyl withdrawal. Mm. So it's kind of like a chicken or egg situation of which do you solve first? Because both are equal problems, but the, the process as it's currently structured means that they've got to go to hospital for a month and by the point in which they can actually go to rehab, which specialises in dealing with drug withdrawal, of course, um, they've probably already gone through all of the the difficult stages of withdrawal. By Without any assistance, which means they're more likely to relapse. More likely to relapse, more likely to die as well. Yeah. So it seems like there's not really the facilities to deal with this um, existing in, at the minute. And the fact that it's so widespread seems to suggest that this is going to become a very, very serious problem very quickly in that the, the dealer's going to cotton on to, well, we can sell less product um, for similar prices because they have xylazine um, available now. So they can potentially stand to make more money because they can also sell two drugs at the same time, complementary to one another. Um, although, I mean, I don't know how the, the finances of it work, works because it has also been argued that it saves the addicts money, which in turn allows them to buy more. So I suppose that's still in the dealer's interest. So they're still going to be keen to push this sort of thing onto people. And of course, if they're selling fentanyl, then they're obviously not going to care about the people they're selling it to. Yeah, they because... don't care if the overdose rate among mm -hmm. their customer base is high. Mm -hmm. Because I'm, I'm of the opinion that you know, non-addictive, non non-lethal drugs shouldn't be illegal. But with things like fentanyl, heroin, very addictive, 
very dangerous. You're deliberately poisoning people. Yeah, there's there's no argument to use that recreationally, I think. It's just too harmful. And I mean, it's not like I'm some sort of zealot about this. I think that if you do these sorts of things, you're really going to ruin your life. Mm. Um, it, it's n I don't like telling people what, what to do, but in this case, yeah, obviously don't do this. It, it, I mean, <laughs> as if being shown that horrific injury wasn't enough. But moving on to this tweet here, and I thought this was just interesting. So um, Cernovich is basically arguing that this is something that has been created by the Democrats, the situation that is, of course, mm -hmm. not the drug itself. Um, yeah, Joe Biden's not Walter White. <laughs> yeah, you've got to at least have some degree of cognizance to be mm. <laughs> to be able to manufacture these things. I am the one that, what, huh? What's, mm -hmm. what's going on, man? So obviously these problems are in the cities, which are democratic strongholds. So that side of it lines up. And of course, there are Soros DAs, which are Democrat aligned, that aren't prosecuting uh, users and dealers. Although I don't think prosecuting the users is going to help anything, really, because of course, drugs are probably easier to find in prison these days than they are on the street, um, both in the UK and in America, as far as I'm aware. Um, I remember seeing an interview with a prison drug dealer, and he said, I actually prefer being in prison because I make more money. So yeah, that's, that's some food for thought right there. Um, but of course, it could be coming across the southern border as well, which of course, that's to do with the Democrats. Mm. Um, but of course, we don't know, or at least I couldn't find out. Maybe we do know. Um, but out of my research, I wasn't able to find out. We do know that a lot of fentanyl is trafficked across the border, often imported by the Chinese yes. and created by the drug cartels in South America. Mm -hmm. And one would assume that if you're producing the fentanyl, well, you want to um, also produce or have a role in the manufacture of the sort of complementary drug as well. Mm. Um, just by the, the nature of how sort of drug manufacturing and cartels work, they quite often like to own as much of the supply chain as possible. It's like business, isn't it? The more of the supply chain you own, the more of the, um, the, the product line you own, the more you stand to earn in a sort of exponential way. And the more of the, the line you own, the more your um, things increase, your profits mm. increase. But... Um, do you have any other um, sort of comments about whether the Demo Democrats are actually responsible? Because I think part of the the reason I mention this is that, well, I don't think these people are, you know, paying attention to politics. You can't say oh, all of these people who are unconscious on the street have been listening to leading Democrats say, oh, it's the it's a, a valid way of life or something like that. Oh, it's it's uh, not about rhetoric. Persecuted. It's about policy, and mm. so if you create a permissible environment and you subsidize the paraphernalia that allows you to be a drug addict, you're of course going to create sanctuary states for drug mm -hmm. addicts. And the only person that seems to have tried to fix this in San Francisco was Michael Schellenberger when he tried to run for the governor of California when they tried to recall Gavin Newsom. And then all of the Democrat machine mobilized behind American Psycho and kept him in. And then you've got lots of Democrat mayors as well on the local level, like London Breed, who allows criminal elements to fester by by de facto decriminalizing shoplifting up to $1,000, which allows these people to engage in criminality to then fund their drug habit, and also gives them the ability to live permanently on the streets in tent encampments so that they can not have anyone around them to put them in an institution which cares for them. And then instead of paying for those institutions, like rehab facilities, to be good enough, 
they then spend all the money on clean needles and crack mm -hmm. pipes. And so they are definitely incentivizing the lifestyle out of either a misguided mm -hmm. sense of compassion or a controlled demolition of America's social fabric. I don't think um, particularly the pipes are particularly difficult to get hold of. I mean, most smoking shops sell pipes, so I'm not sure whether that's necessarily helping them very much, but I think the needles are probably a good thing to, to provide because at the end of the day, you do, you want to minimise dangerous diseases as much as possible. Just round them up and rather than spending the money on that, stick them in a rehab centre, which weans them off of it. That's it. Mm -hmm. Just don't 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 create a permissible environment to for rehab, heroin addiction. Yeah. That's it. Mm -hmm. They definitely need to be sent to rehab, though. That's that's one thing I'm very certain of. That mm. sending them to prison, it might even make it worse. They might even start, you know, they might get recruited to then sell it, mm. and then they're very much entrenched in the lifestyle. And of course, if you become a, a, a dealer, it's very difficult to get out of that. And so I think we have to be very hesitant of that. And it's also worth mentioning that um, there are lots of effects of the prohibition laws on certain drugs that have created things that are far worse than the original alternative, like synthetic cannabis can drive people absolutely insane, whereas the regular kind, although it's certainly not good for some people, isn't nearly as bad for you, like spice was introduced to replace these sorts of things and mm. it turns people insane mm. and there are many many other parallels that i'm not going to bore you um with going through but lots of these new synthetic drugs that are coming out are coming out to get around the prohibitions on the <laughs> the traditional ones which i hate to say but you know the conventional ones that everyone knows your your, your cocaines your heroines uh, your cannabis is these sorts of things and I think that that's actually very dangerous because these synthetic ones, if they're manufactured, they're going to manufacture them to be efficient for the, making money for them. And that doesn't mean that they're necessarily good for people to take. They're going to be a lot worse, actually. Mm. And so I'm not entirely sure what can be done here, but something really wide scale does need to be done because this seems to be taking America by storm. and. The, the medical establishment, rehabs, um, and the political system doesn't seem to be responding quick enough to, to address this in a way that seems helpful. And it, it seems like a massive human catastrophe, more or less. And I think that at least by drawing attention to it, maybe something can be done about it. Because, of course, it's not only the people involved in this that suffer, it's the people that have to live alongside it as well. And I imagine if you're living in a city, it's already bad enough and you don't want this sort of thing around. And so I think everyone in the United States has a vested interest in trying to solve this because not only is it a moral thing to do, but also purely from self-interest, you don't want to live in a country where people are like this. It, it is just unpleasant and it, it brings a whole downer. I, I know I certainly wouldn't want to go to any of these cities because I wouldn't feel safe and I probably wouldn't be either, but um, hopefully something can be done. If you appreciated that segment from the podcast of the Lotus Eaters, you can go to lotuseaters.com to get access to all the premium content that's on the site, such as the Contemplation series, this episode on Victorian manners and etiquette. If you want to find out what else is being put out, you can follow on Getter at lotuseaters underscore com on Getter. Thank you and goodbye. <laughs>